Welcome to Church 213. We're so glad you're listening to our sermon series, The Road Called Discipline. This series will unpack how we can know God deeper and glorify Him wider through biblical exercises that lead to more disciplined disciples. Thanks for listening. Hey, thank you guys for being here. What a great, great crowd. We're out of parking to God be the glory. Did you guys see all the little ones flow out of here? I was just thinking about the word, the word that they're about to receive back there. Words change things. Words change things. And so we're going to dig right into the living word, the bread of life this morning. First Timothy chapter four is where we've been the last four weeks. I told you that's where we're going to be every week. I think there's power in just sitting down in the same word as we just unpack it verse by verse so we can apply it, let it shape us, let it change us for his glory. First Timothy chapter four, starting in verse number six, give you guys a few minutes to get there. Minutes up, here we go. 1 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 6. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, nourished by the words of faith and the good teaching that you have followed. But have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. Rather, train yourselves for godliness. For the training of the body has limited benefit But godliness is beneficial in every way, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Verse 9, this saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. For this reason we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God. Amen, church, who is the Savior of all people, especially to those who believe. And that has gripped us, especially us who have tasted and seen the glory of God. And I hope you've brought that expectation in here this morning because I am excited about this word. You guys can be seated. I'm excited about this word. The reason that we're right here in 1 Timothy 4 is because this has been the focus of the series the last three weeks. In what's called... The road called discipline. All of us traveled a road to get here. Some traveled a little further than others. I believe a church alive is worth the drive. Amen. And so, but when you left the driveway this morning, there was intentionality. There was a direction that you turned. Okay, we're going to have to do this in order to get where we want to go. We discipline ourselves all the time for things. And so what we've been doing is we've been looking at, okay... If this word has power and God's word wants to grow us to know him deeper so that we can serve him wider, we have to do some things on purpose for a purpose. We have to discipline ourselves for something. And the reality is nothing great ever happens and is is accomplished in our life without discipline. Some of the greatest feats that we see in our nation and even church history has happened through discipline. And so we're working through the spiritual discipline. So you may ask yourself, well, Pastor Ryan, what in the world is a spiritual discipline? I'm here for the first time. I haven't been here. 
Well, let me catch you up to speed quickly. If you look on your sermon guide, which we ran out of those, amen, we're going to have to print a few more. We're going to move some chairs in. That's okay. A spiritual discipline is this. A spiritual discipline or personal and church exercises that promote spiritual growth. Like I said last week, it's basically the 10-10-10 of your faith. Boom! It promotes spiritual growth. By what? Just those exercises. Individually, in your homes, and corporately, in this place of worship. Last two weeks. What I've done is really walked us through the first couple of verses in 1 Timothy 4. Outlining some, ba- some ways that we can be spiritual disciplined. We need more discipline in America. Right? And we have Taco Bell Express. We have things on demand. We're just from one place to another. Thinking that we can do everything we want to do. But if you do everything you want to do, that's really not freedom. You're bound up in that. Really, freedom is found in discipline. And so what I've been doing is laying out some spiritual disciplines for us. Easy things we can hold on to. By first rolling out, how do we just get God's word around our lives? How do we get it wrapped around us as the belt of truth? How do we get it pressed into us as the word pressed? And there's simple ways to do it. We've already outlined these things. Just listening to the word of God. Memorizing the word of God. Meditating on the word of God. But if you do all those things, if you get the bread of life wrapped around you and you get living water pressed into you, those are just the key. But with every key, you need a lot, right? What is a key without a lot? What is a lot without a key? It's really really pointless. And so what I want you to know is, yes, the word of God is the key, but the lock is called prayer. Well, how would you define prayer? Well, simply this for me. Prayer is stepping outside of my limited realm into God's unlimited resources. That's PR's definition. Pretty simple. I can step outside of the created order and tap into the one that brought it all into order. It's infinitely powerful and access is mine to have. Wow. Wow. I mean, did you... That's what prayer actually does for us. But this desire is nothing new. If you think about it, the fact that the idea of reaching the the sovereign creator, it is old as man itself. It's universal to us. Why is that? Because we're made in God's likeness. Imago Dei, the, the likeness of God. So because we're made in God's likeness, We have a desire to want to communicate with God. Our desire is proof of a designer. We could really get into some theology there, but that's just really simple. That's it. The fact that we have a desire to reach out for something outside the created order. Where did that come from? From the image of the one who is outside the created order. We get that privilege. Your dog does not pray. It may be scared of you. It may be a nuisance, but your dog doesn't pray. Your shrubs around your home, they don't pray. You're not going to go outside today and they're going to uproot themselves. They're not going to be having a prayer meeting. The oceans roar. They give, they give evidence to the power of God, but they don't pray. That's reserved for us exclusively. 
Wow. It's the lock. You think about this. No matter what nationality, no matter what religious background, you get a bunch of people on a plane at 35,000 feet, and there's buzzers going off, and there's engine trouble. People are going to pray, aren't they? Why is that? It's because reaching for the divine is in our nature. God help me! Where does that come from? It's universal across time. It's universal across space. And it's an act that everybody, whether they want to admit it or not. Hey, listen, <laughs> we, are, we, uh, we are open to our own opinions, but we are not open to our own facts. The fact is we have a creator. And whether you think that prayer is innate or not, it absolutely is. And so why is it that all of us, no matter where we are in time, space, on this planet, why is this desire that we want to pull up to powerful prayer? Almost every high school has a weight room. You've seen it. It's just this room that has racks and a bunch of weights. The first time I saw one of these was at Loganville High School. And, um, man, it was intimidating. It was intimidating because the weight room was this small, separate building that was on the other side of the campus. And so unless you were an athlete, unless you had a letter jacket with all these patches all over it, you didn't go down to the weight room. And so for as an incoming ninth grader trying out for the ninth grade baseball team, it was terrifying to think that I had to go down there after school with all those madmen. And, 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 and I had to work out with the varsity team for a whole week. It was scary. I was scared to death. I was in way over my head because there was no way I could hide how weak I was. Especially how weak my upper body was. But that didn't stop me from trying. For five days, I tried to hide in that weight room. I, tried, I meandered around those cable machines. I, I went on the leg machines. If you could you know, like pull down or kind of had a tab and you could, you know, you, I, could, I could just look busy. I, if I could look like I was working out, that's what I tried to do. And I was, I was successful to avoid the free weights because I was able to stay under the radar until it finally happened. The last day, the last day of tryouts, the coach brought every ninth grader to the pull-up bar. Game over. And so we, one by one, we, we were marched up, and then all the other guys, you know, the guys that were just so strong and so intimidating, they, they all circled the ninth graders as we won. I mean, torture! That guy would be fired! <laughs> Gathered around us, and one by one, we had to we had to pull up to the bar and we had to see how many we could do. I was a dead man. But God. By the grace of God, I did the required number of pull-ups, but not on my own strength. You may say, well, what do you mean not on your own strength? Mercy. <laughs> because the weight room coach knew that us ninth graders were weak sauce. And so he, he allowed us to use this machine that had a counterweight. And so on the back of that torturous apparatus was this bar and, and we were able to, to put counterweight and what happened is, is as we pulled up and, and, and that counterweight would lift us because we knew, he knew we couldn't lift our own body weight over and over and over. So we allowed this counterweight because we didn't have the strength to shoulder the full burden 
of the pull up. Do y'all have that image in your head? Today I'm talking about the spiritual discipline of prayer. Because prayer is like that pull up. Prayer actually shows strength of a person's pursuit of godliness. That's why I'm calling it a spiritual discipline. What is prayer? It's like that pull up. It's reality on display. But I'm here to tell you, it doesn't have to be avoided. It doesn't have to be dreaded. God wants us to pray. It's the heart of all men. So how we pray, why we pray, what we pray matters. The reality is sometimes you just feel like you're praying but nothing's happened. You ever been there before? You may be there this morning. Like I've just been, I've been trying to pound heaven and touch heaven. It just seems like my prayers are just beating themselves against the ceiling. Like your mind is just wandering around. But I want you to know this morning, listen, you're not pulling alone. Because the Lord Jesus has given the counterweight. The Lord Jesus has given the counterweight to help us pray with power and with purpose, with discipline. But without the right technique and without the right motivation, especially in America, we're really good at looking the part of being believers, of checking the box on a medical form that says Christian. We're really good at that because it's easy to meander ourselves around our culture just looking like we have strong spiritual strength when all reality, if we really had to talk about our strength and compare that to prayer, we would be exposed. I mean, if I were to, if I were to go around the room and ask each one of you to stand and pray out loud, you would run me out of here. If you think about it, it can be a scary thing. Why? Why is praying, especially in public or together or other than mealtime, why does that seem so intimidating to people? Well, I'm here to fix it. Because if you take Bible reading and you take prayer and you think about those two, they are the cornerstones of godliness. The reason we're working through those in the first few spiritual disciplines because the two get you access to heaven because Bible reading, Bible intake, and prayer, they work hand in hand to keep the static off the line. Y'all with me? Yet if you survey and you look at church surveys, what you realize is the average Christian prays no more than five minutes a day on average. Which means, you know, people pray more, but probably a lot of people pray less. Wow. No wonder they're static on the line. For almost 22 years, I've done life shoulder to shoulder with Debbie. And I guarantee you that if she only gets five minutes of face-to-face -face time, there's going to be a cold wind blowing in the White House. <laughs> you know I speak truth. Here's my point. I'm not trying to create guilt. Here's my heart. My heart is this. My heart is to challenge us together, to come to grips that one of the main reasons that we struggle to really pull up with powerful prayer is just simple prayerlessness. This isn't rocket science. It's dis disciplining, our disciplining ourselves on purpose for a purpose. The PR, how do we actually pull up on that?
How do we pull up to prayer so we can stop meandering around church, meandering through small groups, meandering around prayer time, meandering around Christian circles and actually touch heaven because we are made for that. Take your Bibles to uh, Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, starting in, in verse 1. I'm going to read it all the way to 13. Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 1. says, he was praying in a certain place. I'm going to stop right there. Think about it. He was praying in a certain place. He's talking about the Lord Jesus. And one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John also taught his disciples. In verse 2, and so he said to them, whenever you pray, say, Father, your name be honored and holy, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us and do not bring us into temptation. Now here's a side note. Next week, we're going to dig out the Lord's Prayer as a model for us. So stay tuned. One week from now, we'll be right here doing just that. Preview. Verse 5. And he also said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I don't have any to offer him. Then he will answer from inside and say, Don't bother me. The door is already locked. And my children and I have gone to bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Verse 9, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Here's a handle. How are we going to pull up to powerful prayer? Well, pulling close to God in prayer, you know this, it's expected. Very simple. It's expected. Look at, look at right there at, at verse 1. It says, he was praying in a certain place. See, to actually have access to heaven... We have to actually pray. Boy, that's ground shaking, isn't it? 
if I ever want to do a pull-up at the gym, at some point, I'm going to have to jump up there and hold on to the bar. Y'all with me? Look at that verse. It says, now he was praying. When Jesus called those disciples, he's calling them to come under his yoke of teaching, which means they, he was a rabbi and he calls them to do what they never thought they were going to be able to do on their own. And so what he's saying is, he's like, hey, these guys, I want you to follow me as a disciple. And these guys knew exactly what a call from that rabbi meant. It meant Jesus believed they had what it took to do what he did. And so if Jesus is praying, bringing the kingdom of God access to heaven outside of the realm of order into our realm, if, if, if he was calling them to do it, he was doing that. Of course, they wanted to pray like him because they wanted to be like him. And Jesus was known to be a man of what? Prayer. You see it? So he's just bringing them in. He's walking and doing life with them. That's the Shema. We find it in Deuteronomy. It's just simply calling on you to do what you know is truth around those that God has placed around you in your, in your realm, your family, your children. Live it out. So yeah, Jesus was a man of prayer. Just in Luke, I mean, we see in chapter 3, Jesus was praying as the heavens are opened at his baptism. If you go to chapter 5, it says that Jesus often withdrew to desolate places. In chapter 6, Jesus goes to the mountain to pray and continues all night as he's seeking the Lord as he calls the twelve. In chapter 9, Jesus is praying alone before asking the crowds, who do you say that I am? In, verse, in chapter 22, Jesus tells Peter that he prayed that Peter's faith might not fail. See, Christ set the example but it doesn't end with an example. There's also an expectation. You see what I'm saying? There's a difference between an example and an expectation. So Jesus expects those that he calls to himself to what? To pray. There's an expectation. The reformer Martin Luther expresses God's expectation of prayer this way. Listen to this. As it is the business of tailors to make clothes and of cobblers to mend shoes, so it is the business of Christians to pray. And if you look at it like that, we have a chance to touch heaven. It's not drudgery. You don't have to go, oh, here we go again. Dad, I just want to eat. Hurry up. Or, oh, the pastor, Pastor Dom's leading us in prayer. Okay, you know. Do I have to close my eyes? Do I have to pray? No, you don't have to. We get to. We get to touch heaven, amen? We get to touch heaven. We look at it like it's a royal invitation. Man, imagine the, the, if someone famous mailed you a, a letter and you opened it up and it was an invitation to get into their presence. You wouldn't say, oh, great. Chipper Jones is having a dinner and wants me to come hang out. You'd be like, this is unbelievable. You would pack. You would prepare. You would be excited. A royal invitation to come into the throne of heaven to touch the garment. 
of glory. Wow. What a grateful commitment. See, if you hire a personal trainer and they do one rep as an example and then they pat you on the back and they leave without helping you do what they just did, you'd feel ripped off, wouldn't you? You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. What? You're not going to help me? See, there's a difference between an example and expectation. How can you call them a trainer if you don't try to do what they did or they don't expect you to do what they did? You can't because the two work hand in hand. So yes, Jesus expects us to pray and he also gives us an example of the prayer. If you have a trainer like that, that's not training. That's just entertainment. And I want you to know, Jesus is not taken on human flesh so we might be entertained on Sunday. I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here to to expose God's word and lift our hearts to worship so that he can wrap his word around us and shape us and mold us so that we can be in pursuit and know that the hound of heaven is after us. That's what we're here to do. So that we are inspired to touch the garment of glory like Jesus did. And so those people rallied around him and he said, I'm praying, bring you guys into this circle. You guys write this down. Examples without expectations in prayer, it's not training, but it's treason. And I want you to know Jesus isn't a traitor. He expects us to pray because we need it just like he needed it. Scripture says he emptied himself. Didn't move away from his divinity, but he emptied himself so that he can relate to us and show us he was fully God and fully man so that flesh can touch the garment of what's divine. And there will never be another one like him because he is holy and he is holy. But because he needed it, we're not going to be like Christ without it. And so if we are to train ourselves for godliness, we have to train ourselves in disciplined prayer because that is the pursuit. That's what we talked about in week one. He's called us to pursue godliness, but to abandon prayer is to fight the battles of this realm with earthly resources at best. Are y'all with me? I mean at best. And to lose interest in the battle at worst. Without an active, disciplined prayer life, we've got no chance of being led by the Spirit in the pursuit of godliness. And so, yes, it's expected. How else are we going to pull up to it, Pastor Ryan? Powerful prayer. Well, pulling close to God in prayer is learned. It's learned. Let's look at verse 1. I'm going to read the whole thing. He was praying. The disciples were with him, so it's expected. In a certain place, there was intentionality on purpose for purpose. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. See, Lord means master. They actually wanted to be like their master. So people tell me all the time, Pastor, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. It's not the same thing. 
See, to be Savior is, is, is a sacrificial application of divine blood on our earthly sin to, to reconcile us in the eyes of the Father. That's what it means to be saved, to be set aside, to be justified by His blood. But submission to obedience is what makes Jesus your Lord. You follow Him. You actively want to be like Him. So I like the word master. Is Jesus your master? Because I really believe if he's not your master, he's not your Lord. That was extra. And so he says, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John also taught his disciples. And so in verse 2, which we're going to dig out next week, he simply says, okay, here's a principle. Here's, here's, a, here's, here's a model for you. Well, what I want you to see is this. They wanted to learn. They were hungry for that knowledge. The fact that they wanted to learn means they didn't know how to properly pray. So I'm telling you, relax. No one has this thing figured out completely. If so, we would be God. We, we should have a desire to want to learn how to pray. The reality is you don't know what you don't know. Amen. And you're not lifting alone. So if you're discouraged, if you're this morning, if you're discouraged in your prayer life because you feel like you're not good at praying, this should give you hope. Nobody's expecting you to pray in King James. Just relax. Because if God's your master, just sit at his feet and say, Daddy, Master, just teach me. I have a hunger for that. See, no matter how weak or strong your prayer life is right now, you can always learn to grow stronger. And so it's okay to be where you are. Listen, it's okay to be where you are in your prayer life, but it's not okay to stay right here. God has given us the tools for that. And the request of these followers for distinctive prayer, they can pray as the disciples is often called the Lord's Prayer. But if you think about it, it's actually better titled the Disciples' Prayer. Because Jesus was praying. But he was teaching the disciples a prayer that they should pray. He was setting them apart. And they knew. The reason he's saying, hey, Lord, teach me to pray like you, is because Jesus was setting a new kingdom up. And so when they had this desire to pray, what they were saying is, hey, we, we, we need something that's ours. We need something that's personal. We want something that sets us apart because you are setting us apart. And so can we have this? What is this special thing that you and your father has? How can we come into that? They knew the thermometer of a church is prayer. And it's still that for us today. The thermometer of the church is prayer. That's what calls us apart. That's the reason that baptism is important. To repent and be baptized, to turn. It's a common theme that we can all share and have in common. Because the reality is we come from different places and different times. It's next week we've got two baptisms right now. I'm praying for more, amen? Coming around one common idea. So if you think about prayer, when an infant is trying to communicate, how do they typically do it? They just cry. They just cry. Ask Pastor Don. He hasn't slept in a month. <laughs> they just cry and cry and cry because this is the basic means of communication, right? 
But as a child grows beyond that infancy, they stop only crying, at least they're supposed to. They start using sight words. They start using phonics. They start standard sentence construction. They start to think critically. They start to use more phonics and less tears. So should our prayer life. I want you all to hang on to this. And so what Jesus is doing here is he's growing his people to pray. He's growing his followers to do more than just cry out. Yes, we should cry out to God in times of great need. Absolutely. But crying for basic needs all the time is for babies. It's a sign of immaturity. And if that is your only mode of communication as you grow in your faith to the Lord, you're not growing. And so a Christian should look back on their walk with God and see also growth in their prayer life. The Bible says that what's the deal with prayer? Well, we should pray for the glory of God. We should pray for His will. We should pray in faith. In the name of Jesus. We should do more than just cry all the time when our flesh has needs. Because that is really not the only sign of growing in your faith. And so how do we learn to grow in our prayers? By praying. That's how we grow in our prayers. Write this down. The best way to learn how to mature in prayer is to pray. Every Monday morning. Right here. 7 o'clock. There's a group of people. That meet right there in the prayer room and we just pray. Pray over our day. Pray for one another. Fix our minds on the things above. So that we can cast off the hindrances of this world. And we can move into the week. And so if you're local and you've got some time, come on. You're usually done 30, 45 minutes. You simply pray together. And I'm going to tell you, personally, it's a highlight of my week. To pray with other believers. Because my prayer life grows as I see their prayer life growing. And we do this thing together. So the best way to learn how to mature in prayer is to pray. I get it. We might not speak the language. What language? The language of heaven. We might not speak the language of heaven perfectly. But that shouldn't stop us from being honest in our attempt, right? We did a mission trip to Mexico. This was a few years back. And uh, we went to Juarez, and we were building a house with an organization called Casas Por Cristo. And we took my dad along. My dad had just come off of esophageal cancer, and so they had to remove some of his esophagus and reattach his stomach. And so basically he had like a gastric bypass type procedure. But that made his stomach um, sensitive. So he had to be very careful what he ate. And so we're on the job site, and the people of the, of the, of the, that we're building the house for made us an authentic Mexican lunch. I'm talking soup, uh, empanadas. I mean, it was legit hot. It was a real deal. You know, they, they, it, the flavors were authentic. They were just, they were amazing. And so we were, we were you know, we were hungry we had been building this house. We built it from the ground up in three days. This was on day two. And so we're, we break for lunch, and I see my dad. I mean, he's just eating that soup. And I'm like, oh, boy, you're in for it. And so we have lunch, and uh, we have lunch, and we get back to work. And, uh, and I, I'm looking around. I'm like, where's G-Daddy? And, you know, and you really don't want to wander off. You know what I'm saying? You know, you kind of want to stay with your people. And so, so I'm, I'm beginning to look for dad. 
and, and I don't see him, and I'm starting to get anxious. And so I put down my tools, and I'm going to look for him. And about the time that I start to go look for him, he comes around the other side of the building. He's got this big grin on, your fa- on his face. I'm like, where were you? He's like, whoo, that lunch got me. I said, well, wh- what did you do? He's like, I had, to, I had to find a bathroom. I said, where? You know, I'm looking around, and he's like, I went inside. I'm like, what would you do? You know, I'm like, you don't speak the language. He said, I went in there, and I went, and they looked at me, and I looked at them, and I had my hand on my stomach, and I went, Pedro, Pedro, Pedro. I'm like, Pedro? He's like, yeah, I'm looking for the bathroom. I said, that's Banyo. He's like, well, they knew exactly what I meant because they pointed me in the right direction. Here's the thing. He didn't speak the language, but he had a great need. So he attempted the best he knew how. And guess what? He found what he was looking for. He found what he was looking for. And he's not going back ever again. Here's the thing, church. If we are serious about touching heaven, you simply have to begin disciplining yourself by limiting distractions and making time in your schedule to pray. And your prayer life will grow because the Spirit of God is enacted in you just for that same purpose. The Holy Spirit will guide us in prayer better when we're praying than when we're not. Very simple. John 16, 13 says this. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. And so we discipline ourselves to want to learn to pray. And we position ourselves in prayer. And we just pray the language from our heart. The Holy Spirit will lift us up. So that we can touch the garment of glory. Listen, I know there's, there's a lot of good prayer books out there. There's some good prayer guides out there. We've given you guys resources here in the past. There's some really good prayer devotionals. There's some good books of, you know, that you can read about prayer. Listening to a sermon are, is good. Uh, talking about prayer is great. But none of those things will actually teach you how to pray. Paul tells Timothy, train yourselves for godliness. You get nothing without actually exercising, without practice. Practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes progress. PR, how how can I train better at praying? Where do I start? Listen, this whole series fits together. You start by what I talked about last week. You start by, by using what model Jesus used, which was simply just meditating on Scripture. Remember, that's the, that's the lock. That's the key. The lock is prayer. The two go hand in hand. Here's what I mean by that. Meditation of Scripture is a great way to get the Word of God pressed into you because you're soaking in it. Remember the guy that planted the tree and took it back to his own home and planted it? He just didn't want to pick from it. He wanted, he wanted to plant it. And so when you meditate on Scripture, when you think about it, when you ponder over it, you let the Word of God press into your life. And then what happens is, it so comes over you that truth, just as John 16 tells us, that the Spirit begins to work in you through what you've pressed, 
so that you begin to pray the will of God. You begin to pray it back to Him. See, many times somebody will read a verse, they'll read a Devo, and then they'll close their Bibles or they'll close that Devo and then they'll start to pray. Don't do that. Leave open the Word and be in a spirit of prayer. It's dangerous because what happens when we do that, if we just read a verse and close it and then totally divide that word from our prayer life, is we have static on the line. We've disconnected touching heaven by using access of heaven's word. Do you see that? So what do we do instead? Think about it like this smooth transition, almost unnoticeable, where we, where we sit in the word. You don't read to finish, we read to comprehend. You sit there, you just let it soak over you, and you ask the Lord to begin to speak through His Spirit, and then as He prompts you, you begin to pray. Wow. Is this a New Testament concept? No. This is what David did. The Bible calls him, even though he was a sinner and wretched and redeemed, he still is labeled as a man after God's own heart. Because he was, he was hungry to learn and to go. Even in his stumbles, he was serious about his Savior. Psalms 5.1 says this. Listen to my words, Lord. Consider my sighing. Psalm 19.14 says this. May the words of, these, these are words of David. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. Y'all see that? The words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. If you look at the Hebrew word sighing, it just means meditation. And so what are these other words that he's talking about? The other words that he's talking about are his prayers. They're, 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 he's asking that his, his prayers be pleasant enough that God will hear them. David learns what to pray to God by praying what he has learned from God. And we do the same thing. We know what we need to pray to God, what he wants to hear the sighings of our hearts when we have learned to hear from God. And when we hear from God, we pray to God and the line remains open. If our words are to reach heaven, they have to be words that he desires to hear. Right? It makes perfect sense. If, if you think about this, what we take in by the word, we become by the word, and then we know how to communicate by the word. That's, that's Hebrews 4.12. It says this, two weeks ago we were right here. For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. No creatures hidden from him. But all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him whom we must give an account. That's terrifying. If you're outside the will of the Lord. That we will stand and give an account. But how do we get reconciled? Through the word. How do we pray? Through the word. How do we know how to be sharp? What to deliver to heaven? Through the word. And so when we meditate on it, we begin to pray as we think. That's the idea. Y'all picking up what I'm putting down? 
as you think it, as you meditate on it, as you soak it in, you begin to think it and you begin to pray it. Consciously embrace with your heart every gleam of light, every, every truth that comes to your mind, so that when you hear and read or memorize and meditate, prayer flows naturally. And it is not difficult. It's so freeing. You're not doing it for anybody else. You're not praying to impress people. You're just saying talking. You're just simply talking to heaven. And knowing that the Spirit of God is your counterweight. All right, fellas, y'all with me? I'm about to, I'm about to give you a softball. I'm, I'm, about, I'm about to tee one up for you right here. I'm going to help you fill the love tank. Are y'all sitting up for this? This is what I mean. This is some low-hanging fruit. Take one of your favorite pictures of your wife or your girlfriend or your fiancé. And you just write a love note to her as you think about that picture. Really, not, don't do it now. But just this week, and here's what's going to happen. As you stare into that picture and you think deeply, just write what you feel. And I guarantee you it'll be exactly what she's been needing to hear and it will result in a positive response. Think about prayer like that. When what we take in by the word, we digest in meditation and we let it out in prayer. Why would God not hear it? He will hear it because it's, it's his heart to our hearts. And the blessing will be a sweet sound to his ear. I love that old hymn. As I was preparing this message, I, I could hear that piano playing in, in another season of our ministry. And, and the hymn just says this, I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice to worship you. Oh, my soul, rejoice. Take joy, my king. And what you hear, may it be a sweet, sweet sound to your ear. Let's add that one. Y'all want to? Let's think that sometime. Y'all write this down. Without reading, without meditation is unfruitful. Meditation without reading is hurtful. And to meditate and read without prayer upon both is without blessing. One of the things I want you to hang, hang on to is a handle of pulling up the prayers. This pulling close to, to God in prayer, what does it do? It brings results. Isn't that why we pray? Let's just be honest. We're touching heaven. We have a need. We have a desire. We're reaching out to something outside of our realm because we lack something inside of this realm. And so that's what it's talking about. In verse 5, look at verse, look at, uh, look at verse 5. He also said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I don't have anything to offer him. Then he will answer from inside and say, Don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I have gone to bed. Why are you texting me this late? I can't get, I, I can't get up and give you anything. And I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything, because he is a friend, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, persistent, the word is persistence there, 
unashamed persistence, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, he will get up and he will give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, these are the words of Jesus, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Thank you, Lord. What father among you, if his sons ask for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Eggs are steep right now. Have y'all bought a dozen eggs lately? But you know what? I think Parker eats like two dozen a week. But I'm not going to give him a scorpion. He says, put eggs on the list. I'm like, okay. That's what, that, that is the relationship that we have. He's saying, how much more can, does the Heavenly Father want to give his own children? Way beyond anything we can do. And we want to provide for our children, right? We don't like to tell our children no. And the disciples would completely understand what Jesus is doing here. There's a man here that's upset that somebody is bothering. Yeah, it was late. Yeah, the kids were in bed. But this friend wouldn't stop asking. So to the door, this guy goes at this late hour. And he knew if he goes to the door, everybody would wake up, right? Ringing the doorbell, beating on the door. And the reason that the disciples would get this parable of what Jesus is saying is that urgent prayer is there because to not have something to offer a guest when they roll into your house was unspeakable. So this was a case of an emergency. And so what Jesus is trying to let his followers see right here is God is not, listen, God is not upset with those who come to him in prayer. We're not an inconvenience to him. You've heard the adage, you know, when we get in trouble and we have a need, we, 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 wouldn't, we shouldn't say, oh man, I, I hope my dad didn't find out. We should say, man, I wish I could talk to my dad right now. That's the idea. That God does desire that for his children. And if a human will respond to his neighbor in that way, then Christians, we should go boldly, unashamed. We should step into the presence of God with any need we face because God is more gracious and caring than any human neighbor. That's the point that he's trying to make. And so Jesus tells us, hey, ask and seek and knock at the heaven of mercy, at the gates of mercy. These are the principles here. See, it's not so much um, the words we say, but it's the principles, not the phrases. It's the heart behind it. We are to pray to the Lord as a habit, as a discipline. Pray without ceasing. We're persistent in talking to the Lord as a habit. This guy was insistent. So Jesus is saying, hey, if a human, if a human will give into persistence, how much greater am I to give a good gift to those of my children who persistently come to me with a need? That is good stuff. Have you ever noticed that, uh, that coincidences just happen more when you pray? I wonder why that is. It's because it's not a coincidence. 
when you're meditating on the word and you're praying for a need and you're pounding heaven unashamedly over and over and over. Make no mistake, God does answer prayer. Because it's, it's not that we're getting God in on our world. Prayer's about getting our world in on God's world. It's the great exchange. But we get frustrated. I get it. We get frustrated because we're not seeing anything happen. But there's a couple things I want you to consider as we wrap up. It's possible that you're frustrated because you're not seeing God answer the way you think he should answer, but yet the answer is already right before you. He's sovereign. And so if you're praying in his will, his words back to him, he does give his ear and he does answer. The truth of the, of, the, of the revelation is there. It's just our interpretation we miss because we're, we're living in a, in a world that's we're fogged up with sin. And so we can't often see what he's doing, but the blessings of God and the hand of God might be right here. We just can't see it because our hearts haven't been turned so that we can see it. It's like that old guy, he was drowning. He's out in the river, he's holding on to a stump and he's praying, God, save me. Next thing you know, he hears this yelling from the bank and there's this guy going, hey, over here, do you need help? He's like, no, God's going to save me. And so he goes back to pray and then he's, and then he's awakened from his, from his prayer because a life jacket hits him in the head and he wakes up and he looks and there's a guy on the bridge going, just grab the jacket. He's like, no, thanks. I'm praying for God to save me. So he goes back to pray and then he wakes up with this guy in a boat, the rescue crew right here. He's like, get in, man, you're going to drown. He's like, no, no thanks, go ahead, save somebody else. God's going to save me. And then he drowns. And he gets to heaven, he's like, Lord, I was praying, why didn't you save me? He's like, I sent you three answers to your prayer. They were right there in front of you. See, often we just, we just simply miss it. But there's something else too. It's possible that we're praying correctly. Listen to this. But we haven't seen God move only because God intends to us to persevere a little longer. It's, it's, it's possible we're praying in God's will. God's shaping us in our persistence. And so before we get mad and just throw in the towel, let's just continue to sit and meditate and know that we are in alignment with him. He's just shaping us a little while longer. That's a prayer that I've prayed. Lord, don't send me out until you squeeze out of me every unclean thing in me so that I can be a pure vessel before I go. But I think the biggest reason we don't see heaven move in our prayers is because our prayers are unexamined. So I want you to hold on to this before we get out of here. Are we asking for things that are outside the will of God and will not glorify Him? Because God's not going to hear those prayers. God's not going to give you an answer for something that He doesn't intend to bless. Y'all with me? He can't provide resources for you to sin. He's not, he's not going to give you what you ask for and seek for and not for if you have to cross a no trespassing sign to get it. It's just not going to happen. So are we praying with selfish motives is a question to ask. Am I praying in meditation? Am I praying in persistence? And am I praying with selfish motives? Because if I'm praying selfishly, you can forget it. God can't give you access to holiness 
if you're seeking something because of, he, because of his love for you. He's going to draw you away from him. My sister and I were five years apart. And I'll admit, she's five years younger, and I was not the best big brother. Okay, I know that shocked you. But there will be times where she would run and she would, tell my, she would tell on me and she would tell mom something I did, but she would never tell the whole story and I knew it. And so my mom would say this, uh-uh, uh-uh, mm-mm, I don't want to hear it. And I'm like, yes, because I didn't want to hear it either. But if you think about that, it's not that she didn't want to hear it. What that means is she just didn't, she didn't want to uh, be interested in what my sister was saying because of the fog of confusion that was self-inflicted drama on something that she knows we should have already worked out ourselves. And so when we're living outside of God's will, we often go to the Lord, not that he's saying, I don't want to hear it. He absolutely hears us, but he doesn't act on it because he realizes, hey, this is, this is a holdup that's something that I've already been very clear on. You shouldn't have to be stumbling here. You need to take care of some things, Hebrews 4.12, and then come back to me. Are we failing to deal with the kind of sin that causes God to turn away from us? And that is the beauty of sitting there in God's Word. That you can confidently, boldly come into God's presence knowing that His mercies are new every morning. So how do we powerfully pull up to prayer? There's a motto for you. Turn them back to your sermon guide. I want you to leave with something that you can actually apply. And so it's a simple acronym. It's just ACTS. And so when you carve out that moment with the Lord intentionally, before you start asking, just adore Him for a minute. Giving you some some, uh, accompanying scripture. Psalm 19 is a great one. Read Psalm 19 and just simply say, God, this is why I adore you. And just start lavishing adoration on the Lord. Just what we've done here this morning through our worship. And once you pour out your heart in adoration, then go over to Psalm 51.10, John 1.9, James 5.16, and, and just simply confess, God, this is where I fail you. Forgive me and renew my mind. And I know those needs and those asks and those wants are right there humming in your background, but I'm saying put them on the back burner for a minute. Adore and confess, and then simply just start thanking God for the things that he's already blessed you with. Your time, your talents, your treasures. God, you're so good. James 1.17, Ephesians 3.20, Colossians 3.16. And then once you sit there for a while, and this will take some time as you discipline yourself, then you begin to ask God to supply you. And you let those words And those meditations flow to heaven. And you just simply say, God, here's my heart and your word. Show me what I need to pray for. And the Holy Spirit will begin to bring it to your mind. And then you just pray it out to him. Philippians 4.19. Psalm 34.7. So please don't ball these up. Throw these away. 
Have your Bibles. Have your, have your guide. Make those notes. Take these things. Apply them as you train yourselves for discipline. Church, I want us to be like an oak tree. Listen, I don't want this ministry to be a flash in the pan. I want us to be solid. I want us to be established. I want, I want us to be such a disciplined people that we are in it for the long haul as we, as we touch heaven's garment every day. Put these things to work. I'll close with this. George Mueller, who some have said the greatest prayer warrior in America, seen God move in ways that no other man has ever seen God move in the last 150 years, said this. The great fault of the children of God is they do not continue in prayer. They do not go on praying. They do not persevere. If they desire anything for God's glory, they should pray until they get it. Oh, how good and kind and gracious is the one with whom we have to do. He has given me, unworthy as I am, immeasurably about all I have asked or thought. And so since prayer is expected, will you pray? Since prayer is learned, will you learn? Since God is gracious and kind, will you knock and will you seek and will you ask in his will until he comes again? That's the heart behind prayer. That's how we pull up. So you don't have to be scared of the weight room. You can practice, you can discipline, and you can see your prayer life grow and go biblically. Let's stand together. So what, what, what next, Pastor Ryan? We're going to pray. That's what's next. I'm going to pray for us. And then I'm going to be silent for a moment as our praise team plays. And I simply want, I want you to work through, work through ACTS. And if God leads you to make a move, if there's something that you're out of alignment with and you simply want to pray right here, this altar is absolutely open. This place was full last week. This is where we fight our battles. Ask the Lord, God, the next few minutes, help me adore you. God, help me confess things in my life, knowing that your mercies are new every morning. God, thank you, Lord, for this, this. Maybe you want to kneel right where you are. You can turn around and kneel at your chair. That's fine. Maybe you want to kneel right here. Maybe you want to come and pray with me. Maybe you want to come pray for me. Goodness, don't stop praying for me, church. Maybe you have something that that you've been knocking and you've been asking and you've been seeking but you haven't seen an answer but you know it's in the will of God according to his word and you want to pound heaven again this morning I encourage you ask for that supply maybe you can't touch heaven because you haven't touched the cross and you want to surrender your life to the lordship of Jesus say pastor I don't have a relationship with Christ I've been an unbeliever I've been rebellious, but I want to give my life to Christ as my Lord and my master today. I need you to help me do that. I'm simply standing right here. Whatever God's leading you to do, 
Maybe you're a believer. Maybe you want to yoke up with this ministry and say, Pastor, count me in. I'm putting the plow on the ground at Church 213, and I'm an orphan because I don't have a church family, but I want one. We can have that conversation right here. Pastor Joe is going to be here. Pastor Dom's doing his thing. We as a family, let's rally around as we pray together. Come on, church, let's pray. God, thank you, Lord. The next few minutes, yes, we adore you. We confess our faults to you. We, we're thankful for all that you have done and continue to do. So God never stops supplying us with what we need in our lives. So, Father, we give you the next few minutes just in a spirit of prayer for you to work in the hearts of your people for your good purposes. God, so I ask you to teach us what we know not, grant us what we have not, and make us what we are not this morning so that we can touch heaven, hold on to your garment for one more day.